Hi everyone, welcome to the Blue Sky Podcast, Two Pints of Lager and a Spreadsheet. I'm Dave Gibson, I'm here with my co-founder John Dudgeon. Today our special guest is local legend Paula Harrison. On this week's episode we'll be chatting about the psychology behind buying and selling. Why it's okay to try and fail. And the importance of good relationships in business and in life. What brings a girl from Northern Ireland to the northeast of England? Mm-hmm. Uh, came over for uni and never left. And that, like, to be fair, that in itself, I knew that I didn't want to go to uni in Northern Ireland. Um, and I had arranged interviews. So I had originally applied to do physiotherapy. And I had arranged interviews in Newcastle, I think it was Liverpool and Leeds as well, but like, don't quote me on that. And my cousin had moved over the year before me. So when I came over for my interview, he took me on a night out to Sinners and Blue Bamboo, as it were, on the big market. And I cancelled my other interviews. (laughs) So um, yeah, like my sister's, they still live in Northern Ireland. Um, one of my sisters went to university in Northern Ireland and they came home every weekend and used to do their shopping out of my mum and dad's fridge um, and treat it like a dry cleaners as well, like get their laundry done there. So I was very much a home bird and wouldn't even stay at my neighbor's house growing up, like really pined for my own house. But I was like, oh, Feel like I need to move away otherwise I'm not going to grow up so where, where, not did you live it, where did you live in Northern Ireland Paula? It's about to be fair any anywhere's about 40 minutes away from Belfast but yeah, yeah. yeah about 40 minutes away from Belfast if you're looking at the map it's top left of the lock. All oh, right cool. Is it near Port Rush? Mm, about, still about 45 minutes away. Like, is it all right okay farther away from the coast i was right out in the countryside uh, so right. i remember coming over to uni and someone being like oh you grew up in northern ireland that must have been rough and i was like no I, no not really like why and they were like just all the stuff that's on the news but i was so naive to it until i moved away and then other people started talking about it um, and I think it's because like my mum and dad grew up with all that going on so they didn't want us having to experience it and never really talked about it um, so yeah I went to a mixed school um, which doesn't mean girls and boys <laughs> <laughs> means Catholic and Protestant and um, yeah like it was never something that was really discussed or a focal point so yeah quite sheltered um and then yeah came over here and the big market stripped all of that away <laughs> yeah so you yeah. took the big market to drag you away, away from your parents and and home yeah uh, um but yeah applied for physio and then i didn't get the grades to get in and i was on holiday with my family at the time when my A-level results came out. And I remember like sitting in the little internet section of our hotel, trying to get through to clearing. 
and being like, I don't know what to do. I knew that I could do a sports science degree and then do an additional year at the end. And when I went through clear and they were like, oh, you can do sport exercise and nutrition and then do an additional year. So I was like, perfect. And no, I want to go to Newcastle. Jobs are good. So I'll sort out the rest later. And yeah, like I'm not doing anything to do with sport exercise and nutrition now, but like it's a big passion of mine. And applying for physio was a really poorly, poorly thought out plan um because I like I hate blood like I go into cold sweat feel like I'm gonna faint at the sight of blood so yeah working in a hospital probably wasn't ever gonna work out um but yeah just like firm believer that everything happens for a reason so I got to do a course that was in a subject that I was really interested in and passionate about and I still use parts of that in my day-to-day life even though it's not part of my job, um, got to meet like class people, have a lot of debt to go with it, um, but I don't regret it. And I think like when I do a little bit of mentoring with the girls network um, and they're like, oh, I don't know what, I'm, what I wanna do with my life. And I'm like, no one does really. Like there's people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, just before they retire and they still don't know what they want to do. So like, don't stress about it too much. Just do what you enjoy and what you're good at. Yeah, me and John were old, old gets when we started Blue Sky, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, Polly, get a lot of people, I guess, come to Newcastle for similar reasons that you you did, you know, for university and stuff like that and like the nightlife and, and all the rest of it. But then I guess after uni, the sort of go off kind of yeah. to other parts of the UK or, you know, back home or wherever it is. But what was it that sort of kept you in the region? I'd met my best mate here um, at uni. So we were in halls together. Our bedrooms were right beside each other. Um, so like I had a good support network around me and I had a full time job. So I was doing door-to-door fundraising for charity. Yeah. Um, so if you've ever had anyone knocking on your door, probably me or <laughs> like someone that I worked with. But the thing with that is, it's re- like it can be really demoralizing because well, you get people slamming the door in your face, but you also don't know what's just happened before they've opened the door. Um, and loved the job I did it for five years um, and it was really only winter in the northeast that made me like move away from it because <laughs> there was one year honestly they they said to us as a health and safety measure that we had to stop it's either every like half hour or 45 minutes or something like that to go and get a hot drink um because the snow was just ridiculous um and I was like oh like I hate it on days like this but then I knocked on someone's door and she was like "Eh, you must be freezing like come in and took my gloves and dried them in the dryer and she was like you're not leaving until you're warm and I was thinking I'm gonna be freezing after I'm out there for five minutes again but <laughs> it does make you realize like just just how much good there is 
out there as well. So even if someone wasn't in a position where they could sign up, like I love the job and it it definitely builds resilience. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, yeah, resilience, yeah. It's almost that, like when we're mentoring guys through an investment round, they almost need to, to do that job first. <laughs> like the amount of doors that I'm saying, yeah. And sometimes it's just like, you can see that someone's in the house and they don't answer the door. They're like, just, just pretend you don't hear it. <laughs> it, it it's any, any kind of sales, isn't it? You're going to get 29 no's before you get a yes, aren't you? It's like just, yeah, and if you yeah. treat it as a numbers game, mm. then fine. But the bit that I found really, really interesting about it, and I still, like, I find this interesting during my degree as well, was, like, the psychology behind certain things. So the psychology behind buying, the psychology behind people trusting you. Um, Princess Diana was referenced, like, a couple of times because she had, like, a famous head tilt. And it's, like, when you tilt your head, you're exposing one of the most vulnerable bits of your body in your neck um and by doing that it shows to other people that they can trust you and it's like when when you learn that sort of thing it's like it it almost feels like you're manipulating people but it's like but I am trustworthy I'm just not very good at showing it sometimes so like having those skills and being able to fall back on them like completely invaluable yeah, and some people yeah. just nat naturally don't trust people as well, don't you know? So it's kind of it, it's helping helping that person realize that you're trustworthy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like if someone came to the door and they had their arms crossed, um, generally you mirror or mirror because my accent doesn't get that word across very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mirror other people's behavior. So if someone's got their arms crossed, it's like don't try and go in like all happy and smiley like cross your arms and then slowly unfurl them because they'll subconsciously copy you and then they'll feel more at ease themselves um so like copy their behavior in order to get them to do the same to you um and I just like that sort of thing's always really really interested me um and as I said like even in my degree I find that really interesting from like the sports psychology side of things as well with Andy Murray until he got a psychologist on board. Like he used to choke all the time. And it was like, well, once you deal with that side of things, you can actually play to your full potential. Yeah, and so much of this is is true in all walks of life, you know, any business as well as your own personal life kind of thing. It's about um, being able to put things into perspective and, and to create resilience uh, in yourself. Um, but like so many people, you, you, the degree that you came out with um, on the face of it has absolutely nothing to do with what your day job is um, these days. So uh, what, what took you from chugging um, and, 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 and scamming people out of coffees in, in the depths of the northeast winter uh, into where you are today? Um. Honestly, it was it wasn't a very well thought out plan. It wasn't a thought out plan at all. Um, it I've always put it down to the relationships that I've built. Um, so I mentioned before that I'd met my best friend 
over here. You can you can give individuals a shout out, you know, if they've had a well, positive effect on your life. Uh, well, not that positive. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Lindsay Harbottle. So yeah. met her in Holes, um, lived together after that. And she worked in that door-to-door -door space as well. When I left there, it was because I couldn't progress any further. So I'd been team leading for a while. I wanted to move into a management position and it wasn't going to happen in Newcastle. So the idea was floated that I would move away from the region. Um, and I was like, I don't want to, like, this is home. So like John, you'd asked before what kept me here. You, it feels a little bit like Ireland, like, when my mum and dad come over to visit, my dad will go to the pub and then he'll be like, oh, I was chatting to such and such. And it's like, you don't know them. And he's like, yeah, but you're not sat by yourself for long over here. Like, it's fine. And then having like city, beach and like mountains or countryside all within about 20 minutes of each other. Like, that was one of the things that I loved. Um, but more than anything, it was the people. So... I didn't want to move away from the region and I thought oh well this is kind of a, a make or break sort of point so I moved away from that charity world to pest control because that's a very natural progression <laughs> and honestly like I, I loved it like find it really interesting kind of felt like a little bit of a detective when people were like putting down dust to find mice footprints and all this sort of thing but it's very corporate so massive company you're just another number and wasn't really that fulfilling in all honesty um and then Lindsay had just started working for a startup and was building a sales team and got in touch with me and was like would you come on and help us with the sales side of things so I was like yep it was more money that was enough to like sway things um so again not well thought out it was just through like relationships that I'd built um and unfortunately we all got made redundant within six months so like sad end for that startup because it failed to raise investment but it made me realize that I didn't just want to be like knocking a door 150 times a day or picking up a phone like that many times and doing the same sort of spiel so startups for me was like you got to have a little bit of a say in the direction of the business because they were starting out so it was like well what can we try and if we feel it doesn't matter not that it doesn't matter but like it's the whole premise of a startup like you're trying things you're constantly seeing what works and what doesn't so I knew that I wanted to stay in that space but I didn't I didn't really have a lot of options in all honesty I was out of a job and I was like I'm going to the, the job center so anything would do <laughs> Um, and I was very, very lucky because another startup, um, specified by hired me and 
I was in that role, I'd say maybe six months again, um, but I was working from home the whole time. And yeah, we've got used to it now. And it's, it's very different since 2020, working from home, like we've learned a lot. But back in, I think it was 2016 or 2015, I was working from home. I was by myself the whole day. I wasn't really interacting with other people that much, apart from customers that I'd be calling. And I was like, I, I need something a bit more social. So I'd started looking elsewhere. And again, Lindsay had just started working at Campus North. And one of the companies there was uh, a startup called Go Raise. So they were looking for a community manager to join the team. And I went and met Gary, the founder, had an interview. I had actually met with him a couple of times before he offered me the job. And it wasn't, <laughs> I remember messaging him and saying, I'm meeting with my boss. So if you have made a decision, like, can you let me know? And he was like, you'd be the very first employee that I took on board. I really don't want to make that decision lightly. Can you meet me again on Monday? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, so I met with my boss, Darren, from Specified By on Friday and gave my notice <laughs> with no job to walk into. And I remember, like, I was petrified. I was like, oh, like, what am I doing? I've got no job to go to. Like, this is a nightmare. And I rang my mum and she was like, good for you. And it wasn't what I was expecting. I was like, what? She was like, you just can't be working by yourself at your age. Like, you need to be out there and being sociable. She was like, good for you. I was like, right. Well, I feel a little bit better now. <laughs> um, and then when I met with Gary on the Monday, he was like, so how'd your meeting with your boss go? And... I was like, oh, um, I quit. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, I quit. He was like, why? I was like, look, regardless of whether it works out with you, I don't want to waste his time and I'm not finding it um, very fulfilling. I was like, and more importantly, I don't want to waste my own time doing something that I don't want to do. And he just went, so can you start next week then? I was like, yeah. Um, and he was like, I didn't want to pull you out of a stable job for a trial, but considering that you're in this position, let's go for it. Um, so I was first employee for Go Raise and then built up the team, raised like 600K of investment. And I think we grew too quickly, really. So then lots of people were made redundant and I was the last one and so went from being the first employee to the last employee and um yeah it was just me and Gary really so again doing doing a lot um during that time I'd been working in Campus North and then had met loads of people and 
when Campus North shut down, we moved into an office, in, like still in the same building, but I moved in with Layers. So James from Layers. And when he, when he founded Layers, our desks were right beside each other in Campus North. So like we used to use each other as a sounding board quite a bit anyway. And he asked me to do a little bit of business development work for him. And I was like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> um, I was like, I do enough work as it is. Like, Go Raise is really busy and there's lots to do. So no, I don't want to add to my workload. Like, I'd just be half-assing it. So he was like, all right, okay. And then I think it was maybe about a week or two later and he came back and he was like, I actually really need a partner in the business. Would you consider that? And that was honestly one of the hardest decisions that I think I've ever had to make because I felt really invested in Go Race. Um, I'd been there for four years. I felt like it was my baby as much as Gary's. Um, like I really did feel invested in it, but I wasn't a founder. I wasn't a part owner in the business. And that's, that's really what I wanted, um, like to be able to have more of a say um, and that's what got me involved in startups in, in the first instance, like the fact that I had a little bit of a say in the direction that the business took, but it was constantly progressing. So, yeah, what what other people were like, that seems like an easy decision to make, really felt like a breakup. Um, and I remember like messaging Gary when I was at Manchester Airport saying, um, are you free for a chat? Because I was going on holiday and I didn't want to leave it like the week until I came back and just sitting in the car park crying my eyes out. And Gary was like, I think I know what you're going to say. And I was like, do I have to say it then? And he was like, yeah, I think you do. Um, and telling them that I was leaving. And he was like, like he was gutted as well. Um, and we still keep in contact with each other like there was no hard feelings but yeah it definitely felt like a breakup I was like I knew that this is the right thing to do but it just feels so attached to it that I don't want to leave it we uh we, we know Gary really well uh, you must have learned an incredible amount working with him yeah yeah he's class um do you know do you know what stood out for me with Gary like I've mentioned before about like people trying and, and failing things he was very much a let's give it a go sort of guy um, and that went all the way through to his personal life as well so he was living out in, in Chamonix in France um, when when I handed him a notice so I was just having like a, a video call with him or it might have even just been like a normal phone call. But yeah, he was one of those people. He was like, I love skiing. I love cycling. I love being outdoors. Like, I love Chamonix. Why not? I was like, yeah, like, why not? Just because you're comfortable somewhere doesn't mean that 
it wouldn't be better somewhere else. Like sometimes when when it scares you a little bit, like those are the best decisions to make. Yeah, it was obviously a surfer down here on the on the northeast yeah. coast. And I remember saying, "I'm going to Chamonix." I was sort of like saying, well, "There's not much surfing up there." I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what the skiing's for. Yeah, honestly, like I went over once to visit him, and when I came back, I remember saying, "Like, I could quite easily live there." I, I think as well because I had worked during the week that I was there it was easier to imagine my life there whereas when mm. you go on holiday like most of the time you're not working working while you're there like you'll you'll check emails or you'll do whatever but that week my life wasn't really that different but it was different surrounding and I was like oh, I could quite easily live here apart from the price tag like everything is so expensive yeah. Um, but yeah, beautiful place. Okay. So respect, you made a difficult decision and went through with it. Um, you obviously get on well with James. Now you have a, a very short period of time to do the sales pitch for layers. What the layers do? Uh, we design and develop brands, websites and web software. Less than a 10 second pitch. Um, but yeah, the, I suppose the reason it was born was because of frustration like as with a lot of startups um James had worked in agencies before loved designing um but wanted to get more involved in the actual process of forming a brief with a client and making it more of a, a collaborative process whereas in the places that he had worked yeah it was very efficient and very streamlined but it was a salesperson going in and forming a brief with a client and like no disrespect to salespeople because that is my background um but i'm not qualified to form a brief with client i don't know how to design or develop a website so there's little point in me sitting in with someone and saying this is the best way that you should do it because they don't know and neither do i so it was about like getting designers and developers and marketers and copywriters etc involved from the start and throughout so how are you finding that now? Tricky some days. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so I love it. I genuinely do love my job. Um, and when I came on board, I think, I think in my head, I thought I would be doing sales in the traditional sense and very quickly realized that like, the vast majority of our work comes from referrals and from relationships. And I, like I've mentioned before, like I've been a massive advocate of relationships throughout my career. Um, so I like that side of things. Like I like meeting new people, I like getting to know them, I like building that relationship with them. So when I realized like it wasn't going to be a traditional sales role and it was going to be more that relationship building side of things, then it meant that I could also work on other things within the business. So like the, the efficiencies, like from an up side of things and the people as well. So making sure that the people within the business are actually progressing, not as we think they should, but as they want to, 
um, making sure that we can actually keep them because they're a class team. Like they, they really are. They're, they're genuinely lovely people individually and as a team. So we we'll want to make sure that we keep them. And that's been, that's been a learning curve in all honesty. Um, not really had much management experience before so just trying to find out like what are we doing well what what aren't we doing very well and just listening to them a bit more and finding out where we can improve um that's probably the side of things that i enjoy the most now though yeah um we've we've talked before and you, you obviously are very very proud um of your team and rightly so because you've got a, a tremendous reputation um out there i would I would disagree that you don't have a lot of management ex or you didn't have a lot of management experience because this is what the psychology side of things is all about. Why? Um, well, and, well. and, you know, but in, in all fashion terms, a manager is somebody who manages something that doesn't make to say they do it well or badly. And, you know, you can rack up 30 years of experience and still be an absolutely crap manager. Um, <laughs> or you can pick it up on day one and actually be quite good. And, um, you know, good management is um, all about um, the values and, and and experiences you bring to it and being able to listen um, to people. I'm waiting for John to jump in now because this is normally where he takes over the conversation uh, around things. It's, um, you know, it, it's really how do you get the best out of your team? Well, your team's a set of individuals and they all want something different. Um, so what can you do to give them that whilst actually, you know, having everybody pulling together in the same direction to deliver the, uh, the, the overall purpose and objectives of the business? And I yeah. think then the psychology um, background and your interest in it and your interest in people and relationships is, is absolutely that's what it's all about no one people like do those tests to find out what sort of personality they have mm. um i'm always like really but anytime i do it like the the top thing that always comes out is that sense of empathy that i have and it it was Joe York said to me not that long ago um, when I had said about, oh, I feel queasy when I see blood. She's like, oh, that's your sense of empathy. I'm like, is it? Like, I never would have put the two and two together. But yeah, I think that definitely helps because even with, with someone that is particularly forthcoming with how they're feeling, that's great. But if someone's not like just being able to read them and be like, I haven't been through what you're going through, but like I can relate to it on some level. Um, I definitely find that that helps. Um, turning away from business for a little bit, um, personal life, are there any changes coming up there for you? <laughs> yeah, you can only see uh, like up to chest height only but yeah i'm expecting in august congratulations and, uh, thank you cheers yeah. so yeah that's that's gonna be a massive learning curve <laughs> i like i have nephews and um yeah my best friend she's got a little one that's three and he's class like i do love kids but i think having my own might be a little bit different Although I have a dog, so they're pretty much the same thing, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah leave them outside, roam around. Yeah. 
bring them inside for a cuddle. Like I, I, I love, I love how Dave's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got any? Have you got any kids, Dave? No, I haven't. No. <laughs> uh, have you got a dog? Uh, no, I've got two cats. Well, Paul, I, I, I can, I can tell you, I've got two kids and nothing like dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I hear the cats are more independent. Whereas the dog, if he wants attention, he's constantly in your face. Like I'll be on a call and he'll bring his face like just over. So he's like touching my cheek and I'm like, mate, get away. Um, and then he'll just put it in front of my face so I can't see the screen. And I'm like, right. <laughs> do, do you know the main difference between a dog and a baby is that when you go into a pub with a dog, everyone wants to stalk it. When you go into a pub with a baby, everyone's like, oh, God, get it out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I would be concerned if they wanted to stroke the baby though. Well, yeah, I know that's true. Yeah. <laughs> nah, you you'll be you'll be good. You'll be good. They're like my I remember someone gave me some advice and it was the best advice um and it was just like know when to give up and do something differently, you know, because it's kind of like one day might be great, the next day probably gonna be crap. And what today's mouth. crap. Yeah, exactly. It's just knowing yeah. when to when they just sort of give up and do something else and um I mean so for that then everything was so much easier <laughs> honestly I reckon my husband will be class because I'm basically a toddler like uh, if I'm sleepy or hungry I'm a nightmare so yeah, yeah. I reckon he'll nail this me on the other hand I'll just be talking to myself like a smaller version of myself yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's lush it's a great time I bet, I, bet, I bet that'll prove argumentative then. Um, mm. do, you, do you have time for any other interests outside of uh, work and looking forward to the baby? Uh, so interests outside of work, like I'm even now that I'm what, like five and a half months pregnant, like try and stay as active as a, as I can. Um, so that's always been something that I've been pretty passionate about and whether that's like going to the gym or being in the sea or whatever, like paddleboarding, kayaking, um, hiking, doing whatever. It's getting getting a little bit more difficult the more that the bump grows. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, trying to just stay as active as possible. I think it's good like to break up your day and get outside as well. And we did it, did it as a team ch- challenge, I think was the year before last where we were trying to do 2021 kilometers in 2021 and it was like that's easy that was like that's what everyone was saying that's dead easy it's like 5k a day and it's like yeah it's easy if you're consistent but if you're not then it really racks up and it's hard to claw back so I broke my ankle in three places playing rugby um in March and then yeah my steps were shocking for a few months and try and claw it back to be fair I did I managed to like get it on the 31st of December by like six kilometers or something like that but took me right up until the end so yeah I like a challenge um whether that's like physical or mental or whatever um there's some there's something in that though it's like consistency isn't it and it's like I, I guess Sometimes you can go into even in work or a project or something like that, and you're like, oh, I've, I haven't had instant results, and it's kind of like, well, I don't know. You don't go to the gym and sort of leave it like 
ripped with a six pack you know it's kind of like yeah. you, it's, it's a gradual gradual process isn't it yeah over time yeah process you don't get skinny with one salad you don't get fat with one fast food meal like yeah. it, it is it's it's that like compound interest sort of thing yeah like, yeah yeah so i i do quite enjoy that side of things and and taking on a little bit of a challenge so once once baby's born um we'll start planning for next year well <laughs> get, get, getting baby hiking on, on on their own two feet might be difficult in the early yeah. months but uh, yeah throw them in the sea <laughs> and they can but uh, you know kids can swim before they can walk yeah i'm sure I've, I'm sure I've read that somewhere yeah be fine yeah, i'm not sure the north sea is is going to be the most uh, the best learning experience there we go um okay paula with an eye on the clock uh we need to start thinking about drawing to a close um <laughs> do you have any particular words of advice for our audience anything you want to share yeah. um to be fair like i think everyone has more than one or two bits of advice that they've built up over their life but um for me i think the one thing that always sticks out for me is that no one's trying to be miserable like everyone's trying to be as happy as they can be um and the one thing that i i find has made a real difference in how i view the world or how i view like each day um is a thing called the six the six minute diary so if you've not heard about it like check it out but the premise is you take three minutes in the morning and three minutes on a night for this diary and in the morning it's listing three things that you're thankful for how you're going to make that day great which sounds a bit trump-esque now that i say it out loud <laughs> um, and your positive affirmation for the day and then on a night you list what your good deed was for that day um how you're going to improve and the three best bits of your day so i think when people are asked like have you like how's your day been it's normally good or bad like that's the two answers that people come out with and it's like there's such a scale and actually it depends on what you focus on and if you focus on the good things that have happened in that day it could be the worst day possible but there will always be like at least three small positives to take away uh, it might just be something that you've eaten is one mm. of them but there's always something that you can pull away that has been a positive so yeah i think focusing more on what you're grateful for and what good has happened just makes you a much happier person but yeah the diary is it's so much more than that it focuses on improvement it keeps you accountable it's not just a here's what i'm going to do today and then sacking it off like it does keep you accountable um and and focuses on like habit formation and that side of things but genuinely i'd say that's that's made the biggest difference for me I, I like that. I've not heard of that before, but you know, if anybody can't can't find three minutes in the morning and three minutes in the evening, then you kind of need to look at the way you're structuring your time. Um, yeah. Anyway, Paula, thank you very much. You've been an absolute star. 
No worries. Thank you. We'll, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Paula. Catch you soon.